Bokertov, and welcome again to um, another installment in our Dafyomi Shurim. We're now beginning the second parak of Asachat Megillah, and as you can see from the handout, we have a relatively long piece today. We're doing one Mishnah, which is really two Mishnayot together, at the beginning of the second parak, and the attendant Gemara. Hakoreta Megillah Lamafreya Lo Yatsav. One reads the Megillah out of order, then Lo Yatsav, which means you would read Pasuk Bet and then Pasuk Aleph, or you read the second half of the Megillah and then read the first half, Lo Yatsav. This is a most practical issue when one comes to Shul perhaps late, and here's the end of the Megillah, and then thinks, oh, so I'll now hear the first half, and Beyotse, it doesn't work. Uh, several other ways in which you're not Yotze, if you read it Baal Peh, meaning you read it by heart without reading it from the text, or you read it Targum B'chol in another translation, we'll see an important expansion on that in the Gemara, Lo Yatsa, but you're allowed to read it for Lo Azot, people who do not understand Hebrew, you can read it in another language. We'll see what the framework of that is. But if somebody who does not understand Hebrew hears it in Hebrew, he's Yotze, and we have to understand why that would work since he doesn't understand what the words mean. Now we have several instances where you are Yotze. If you read the Megillah, which would mean you read some, and then there was a break in which nothing was read, and silence, and then read again, etc. If you read it while dozing, Yatsab. Let's say you were writing a Megillah or teaching the Megillah or reviewing the text of the Megillah, editing, as it were, checking for mistakes. If you had intent, we'll see what sort of intent this is in the Gemara, then you yotze, and if not, not. If it was written with any sort of uh, temporary die, papyrus, and here the uh, very basic statement of what the requirements are of a proper sefer, it has to be written with Ktav Ashuri, the block print that we uh, refer to as Aramaic script, Al-Hasefer, it has to be written on a parchment, Uvidjo with the indelible ink. Good. Okay, the first question the Gemara wants to deal with is how do we know that Megillah must be read in order? The first pasuk on the page says the Jews were called to celebrate the Megillah, that compares the writing to the times. Just like time can't go backwards. So the text of the Megillah cannot be backwards. That's very nice, except that it doesn't say anything here about reading the Megillah. Here it just says celebrating, which means you have to celebrate in order, which itself is a little strange, because what would that mean? And that pasuk, as you can see, it says that the Jews are supposed to celebrate these um, these two days. So And the next pasuk, as you see on the page, and it's bolded, it says these days are remembered and fulfilled. So remedying the Megillah is compared to the performance of the mitzvot. Just like the asiyah can't be out of order, as we just saw in the first pasuk. So the commemoration, meaning the Megillah, cannot be out of order. We have a very, very long parenthetic statement in which three other items that must be done in order are mentioned, and the last one will occupy a good amount of our attention, and it's a very important sugiyah. The same rule applies of reading in order when it comes to halal, kriyachman, tefillah. Halam and halan. So this we have the first, uh, the pasuk 2, 3, and 4 on the page, 2 and 3 on the page. 
Yosef just like the day goes in a certain order. God's name must be blessed, just like the blessings are in order. From now until ever. In other words, these are all, uh, sorry, Rabbi had the first one, I missed it, just like the sun comes up in the east and goes down in the west. Similarly, the hal has to be in order. Have to follow the day of Avi Yamar Yishem Adonai Barach. God's name should be blessed. So I come to Rabbi Yaakov Yaakov Mar Miyachav Yatavi Adolam. It's all of these psukim that indicate that the praise of God has to follow a proper sequence, and therefore halal can't be set out of order. Kriyat Shema. How do we know Kriyat Shema can't be set out of order? And here we have a machlok of Yishonim. What Kriyat Shema out of order means? Uh, the Rambam, for instance, says that it cannot refer to the parashiot because, after all, the parashiot are written on at not in the order that we say them in the Torah. And therefore, it must refer to psukim within the parashiot. So if you were to say, That would be the Mafreya. The Rav Yah, for instance, says, the Mafreya only applies to the first pasuk, and therefore it must be moving the words around within the first pasuk. For instance. Okay. But how do we know this principle that Kriyat Shema must be in order? To Tanya, we have the following Brayta. Kriyat Shema Kichtavad. If you're a Rebbe says you have to say Kriyat Shema in Hebrew. Chachamim B'chol HaShon. Chachamim say it can be in any language. Now, what's the argument? My time the Rebbe, why does Rebbe say it has to be in Hebrew? Amakra V'hayu. Pasuk number four on the page. V'hayu HaDvarim Ha'ilei. These words should be. V'havayaton Yeho. They have to be as they are. Why did the Rabbanon say differently? Because the first word is Shema, which means understand. Any language that you understand. So now we play ping pong. We throw the psukim against the opposite number. Why what's Rabbi going to do with Shema? Rabbi says Shema is there not to tell you any language that you understand, but rather the requirement to hear the words of Shema that you say. The Rabbanon hold like Rebbe Yehuda in the Mishnah in uh, Brachot. It says that if you read Shema and don't hear the words, you're still Yotze. Now, Rabbanon Nami Hakti Vahayu, the Rabbanon have to deal with the word Vahayu. They say Vahayu is there to tell you you have to read the words in order. And by the way, Rebbe agrees with that. For Rebbe Shalom Kalam Afrei where does he get it from? Midvarim hadvarim, because the pasuk says vayu hadvarim, so it's the words. And the rabbanon say dvarim and hadvarim is not a big difference. We would not make a drasha out of that, and therefore vayu is there for that, and therefore shema is there to tell you it can be said in any language. Good. But now we see the makor for kriyat shema being in the proper order. Now parenthetically within this parentheses. The bright, uh, the Gemara suggests relating to the bright. It's take a look at Rashi here. You see, Lenemra doesn't mean that it was said, but rather that it was intended to be, to be read in that language. Rebbe must hold that the Torah was given to be read or performed in any language, because that's why the Pasuk here had to say, Vihayu, to say specifically, Shema is only in Hebrew. Because if we if we would assume that the entire Torah was only meant to be read in Hebrew, then why do you have to say Vahayu about Shema? The answer is Shema Karabon Because the answer is I knew Vahayu because I have counterbalancing at Shema that would say Ah Kriyat Shema is different. I have to understand it. Now we'll do the opposite. 
that the entire Torah is meant to be said only in Lashon Kodesh. Why do I need Shema if the entire Torah is to be said in any language I understand? We just flip it and say because of the word Vahayu, I would think that Shema uniquely has to be in the original. Therefore, it says Shema to say it does not need to be in the original, which means we know nothing about what Rebbe and Rabbanon would say about the rest of the Torah. Now, here's the big one, which is Tefillah. Tefillah Menalan. How do I know that Tefillah must be in order? And for this, I cannot really utilize any Pesukim, because Tefillah itself is the Rabbanan. Uh, but we will see a historic note here. The Tanya. Shimon HaPakuli, Hestir Shimon Esrei Brachol, Ifmer Magamli, Allah Aser Biyavne. Shimon HaPakuli is credited with formalizing the 18 Brachot uh, in the uh, era immediately after the destruction of the Mikdash in Yavne. We have another version that says, 120 elders, including Nevi'im, which means this goes back to Ezra's time, it's a good uh, 500 years earlier than Yavin at least, uh, established the Brachot. Now, we'll, we'll try to reconcile those two statements at the end. Now we're going to go through all the Brachot of the Tefillah and follow Sukim 6 through 26 on the page. Minayin she'omrim, Avot, how do we know that the first bracha said, and how do we know that we mention Avot in Tefillah, mentioning the Father, Shemar Havula Adonai B'nei Elim. Important note here is Psalm 29, he's Morla David, is seen in several places in Shas as a template for Tefillah. It includes 18 mentions of God's name, and that's sort of the model for 18 brachot. Um, and as we see here, it introduced, starts out by saying, give, uh, give greatness to God, B'nei Elim. Now, Pshat in the Pasuk of Ne'elim is a reference to angels. However, Midrashically, Ne'elim means the sons of the mighty, means the Avot. How do I know that I then mentioned God's power? Grant to God his power. How do I know that the next thing I do is mention the holiness of God? The next Pasuk in the Mizmor. And you can see that on the page. It's Pasuk number 6. I put both those Pasukim together. It's important to note, now when we start sequencing all the brachot, some of the sequences are going to be based on the the uh, causality, as it were, the previous bracha leading to the next one. Some of them will be based on ordinal considerations, meaning whatever number bracha it is has some significance for that theme. We'll see. How, why do I say binag, understanding, which is the first of the requests after Kedushah, says they will sanctify God, and the next pasuk says the yadu and people who are mistaken will understand. How do I know that after understanding, I, I request God to help us to tshuva? His heart will understand, and he'll return to God, and he will heal him. So now, so if that's the case, then the very next thing after tshuva should be. Rafua, and it's going to be two brachot down the line. So lo salkadai, I don't think so. The famous pasuk in Yeshayahu, pasuk number nine on the page, says that then the man will return to God, and God will forgive him. So you see that immediately after tshuva is licha. My chazid esamach tahas mochahai. So why are you favoring this pasuk over that pasuk for your order? So the answer is because there's a third pasuk. And tell him, Kuv Gimel, God who forgives your sins, who heals your sickness, who redeems you. Right? So therefore we see that Slicha comes first and then Rifuah.
So that that determines the order. But if that's the case, then Gula should come last. So you're saying that Gula and Rufua come after forgiveness? And beforehand you said the guy will return and God will heal him. That's not medical healing. That's the healing of Slicha, forgiveness. So why is Gula Abraha number seven? Uh, Marava, I told you this is an ordinal one, because we have a tradition that within the seven-year context of Mashiach, the process of Mashiach, in one of the versions, in the seventh year will be the redemption. We have a tradition that says the sixth year will be heavenly sounds and uh, tumult. The seventh year there will be war, and the, after the seventh year, Mashiach will come. The answer is the The war itself is also the beginning of the Gula process. So why is Rafua Bracha number eight healing? Because Brit Mila happens on the eighth day and that means healing. Therefore it's the eighth bracha. So why is the bracha for sustenance in the ninth It's against those who gouge the market. In the Pasuk in Tilim, Perak Yod, says, Break the hand of the wicked one. And it's an entire Perak, there was a reference to people who gouge in the marketplace. David said it in the ninth Perak. Now, because it's not the ninth Perak, and ours is the tenth Perak, remember in rabbinic tradition, Perak 1 and 2 are 1, so that every Perak gets 1 earlier, so it's the ninth rabbinic Perak. Why is the next bracha, the bracha for God to ingather the exiles? Famous pasuk in Yechezkel, he gives prophecy towards the mountains of Israel. It says, O mountains of Israel, your bows should shoot forth and bring fruit, for my people Israel are coming. In other words, God's going to prepare the land for Am Yisrael to come. Famous Gloran Sanhedrin, they say there's no greater sign of Geula Mashiach coming than when Israel is green again. What's going to happen next? After the exiles are brought together, the evil ones will be judged. In the first chapter of Yeshayahu, after God says, I will save you, then I will distill all of the dross from you. That's judging the wicked ones. And that's the bracha of Mishpat. And I will return your judges as of old. And what's going to happen at that point? All of the evil ones will be destroyed. And that's the bracha berchat haminim. And all of the wicked ones. Right, and that is the pasuk, uh, number 14 on the page, which is right after the previous pasuk uh, about uh, about judging. And with the destruction of the wicked, Power of the tzaddikim is shown. I will destroy the power of the wicked, and the power of the of the tzaddikim will rise. And included in that bracha is converts. How do I know? The Torah says you have to honor the zikenim. Right after the very next pasuk, it says if a ger should dwell with you. Where will their power be shown? Yerushalayim. So the next bracha after the tzadikim is Yerushalayim. All of those who love you should be serene within your gates. That's the tzadikim. Once Yerushalayim is built, then David comes, 
After they will return and they will request David their king. In other words, once Yerushalayim is built, then there'll be a demand for Melech of Beit David. Parenthetically, it's important to note that this was the 19th bracha. The bracha of Etzemach was the, the extra bracha added. It was originally part of the bracha with Yerushalayim. So this Brita is now following not 18, but 19 brachot. Once David comes and the Beit HaMikdash is built, then there's Tefillah, I will bring them to my house of prayer. Once the Tefillah comes, then there's a proper worship. At the second part of that Pasuk, it says, I will accept their offerings. Once there is Avodah, then there's already Thanksgiving. The Pasuk in Tehillim, he who offers a Todah will honor me. Aaron did Berchat Kohanim on the day of the inauguration of the, of the Mishkan um, and then came down from doing the Korban, which means after the Korban is Berchat Kohanim. So Ima Kodam Avodah, maybe it was first. So Losak Daitach, don't think so. Dichtiv Ayerin Measot Achatat. He came down from performing the Chatat. Miktiv Lasot Measotiv. Not in order to do the Chatat, but he had already done the Chatat. Avolem Rachar Avodah. So maybe Berchat Kohanim should be right after Avodah. After all, you do the Korban and then Berchat Kohanim. So Losak Daitach, Dichtiv Zovech Todah. But we have the pasuk and tell him that says, He who gives a Korban gives thanksgiving. So it's Korban, Thanksgiving, and then Berchat Kohanim. So my So why are you picking the pasuk and tilim that says Korban and then Todah? Why don't you pick the pasuk in the in the Chumash, which seems to say Korban and then Berchat Kohanim? So The answer is that worship and Thanksgiving to God are all one piece. So why is the last bracha Sim Shalom after Berchat Kohanim? In the Koda of Berchat Kohanim in the Torah, it says, They will put my name on B'nai Yisrael, and I will bless them. And what is God's blessing? Peace. By the way, the Rishonim here point out, that's why every Seder Tefillah always ends with Shalom. That's why Kaddish ends with Oseh Shalom. And that's why the Minig is at the end of Berchat Amazonada. Pasuk about Shalom. That's how we end all series of Brachot. Now, I promised you we'd get to this. Since there were prophets and 120 elders who formulated the brachot, so what did Shimon HaPakuli do in uh, the end of the first century in Yavne? Because they forgot the brachot and he reestablished it. The interested reader is directed to Ezra Fleischer's uh, very significant article in Tarbits about the establishment of the Tfilah. The Dal. More than this, you're not allowed to praise God. What's the, the meaning of the pasuk? Who can retell all of the might of God? He should tell all of his praise. Who is it, who, for whom is it appropriate to speak all of the greatness of God? Only somebody who can give all of his praise. Nobody is capable of recounting all of God's praise. Therefore, we only do what we're commanded. We don't try more than that. Somebody tries to praise God too much. There come no lamb is uprooted for the world. Somebody tries to speak too much. They're swallowed up. 
The praise is silence to you. The best thing of all is silence. In Eretz Israel, they have a statement. A word is worth a sella. And silence is worth two slayim. Good. Okay, the uh, Mishnah, the next piece in the Mishnah was that if you read Megillah by heart, you're not Yotze. Minalan. How do we know this? Amarava atya zechira zechira. It's a gzera shava, using the word to remember. And the Megillah says these days are remembered, and that's the only source we have for the mitzvah of Megillah. In reference to Amalek, it says, write this as a memorial, the same word zikaron, in a text. So just like there, it's in a text. Here, it's also in a text. How do we know that the Zechira in Amalek is a, is a reading? Maybe it just means thinking about it. Don't forget Amalek. Just think about it. Don't think so because the Pasuk says I might think this only means remember it in your heart. At the end of the Pasuk says don't forget. So that already covers what you're going to think about. How do I fulfill Zachor? Therefore, I know that the mitzvah of remembering Amalek is to remember it orally. And therefore, it says, that must mean they have to remember it orally out of a text. And therefore, since our mitzvah mikra Megillah is associated both textually and also thematically with remembering of Amalek, therefore, it also must be done out of a text. The next piece in the Mishnah dealt with reading in other languages. etc. So now, what's the case? So we're talking about a case where the Megillah is written in the original, but you're extemporaneously translating it into some other language. So that's already Balpet, which is no good. So it must be written in French, and you're reading in French. Now, that's going to be difficult because of the next piece. But the Mishnah said you can read it for people who don't understand Hebrew in their language. You just said that you can't read it in any other language. We're talking just about Greek. We go back to the Sugen Dachtet about Greek. So what's the case? So it's written in Hebrew and you're translating it in Greek. I know that's again Balpet. It's written in Greek. So now, parenthetically, we have another drush of Rabbalah, Yaakov El. How do we know that God called Yaakov a mighty person, El? And parsed properly, it doesn't mean that Yaakov referred to this Mizbeach as El Elohe Yisrael. You think that Yaakov called the Mizbeach El? It should say, Yaakov. Somebody called Yaakov El, who did? Good, that's the Drasha. Now back to our original topic. You just said that you could, that it could be written in Greek, and you're reading in Greek. It's written in Gipti, that's Egyptian, or in Ktav Ivri, or in Elmite, which is some sort of Sumerian language, or Median, or Greek. So how can you say that you don't say? So halo dami alaha. It's more like this statement. Gifted la gifted mi vrit la yivrim elmid la elmid mi vanet levayim yatsa. For people who speak that language, if you read out of Megillah written in that language in that script, it's okay. 
So if that's the case, then any language is okay, as long as it's for people who speak that language. So why do Rav and Shmuel say it's only talking about Yivanit? You're right. That's bright that our Mishnah are all working together. You can read it if in a translation for people who do not understand Hebrew. When did Rav and Shmuel say They weren't talking about Megillah. Because Rav Shmuel says Greek is always good, which is exactly Rav Shmuel Gamliel's position in Andaftet. What do you mean it's good for everyone? How can you say it's good for everyone? We just said it's only good for Greeks. So you know, Damar Rav Shmuel Gamliel, they hold like Rav Shmuel Gamliel did not. Rav Shmuel Gamliel or Rav Sfarim Leitiri Shikadvu Yivanit. Rav Shmuel Gamliel holds that Yivanit has a Greek has a special status. And therefore, you could read a Greek Megillah for anybody, even if it's somebody who does not speak Greek, just like an Ashurit Megillah. So why don't they just say Why do they have to say Yivanit Yivanim or Yivanit Lakol? If we only said I would think that's only true about other Sfarim. But when it says that the Jews received the documents in their own language, I would think Megillah can only be read in the original. Kamash Balan, that they hold that even the Megillah could be read in Greek for even non-Greek speakers, just like it is with Hebrew. Good. And the last piece on this is the Mishnah statement, A non-Hebrew speaker who hears it out of the original is Yotze. How come Yotze doesn't understand the story? It's just like with uh, ignorant Jews who hear the Megillah, they know the general story, they may not understand every word. What do you mean ignorant Jews? We're all ignorant. There's terms in the Megillah, we don't know what are. The answer is it's a mitzvah of reading and being mefarsed in the The mitzvah is to read it and to be in the nase, to publicize the miracle. And you don't need to understand every word, which is why anyone who hears Ktava uh, Shuri uh, written in the in the original language, as long as they have a general sense of the story, the Yotze. Good. The Mishnah then says, "Kras Serugin Yatsa." Now, it'd be a wonderful story. my Serugin. The students of Rabbi did not know what Serugin meant. Shmuel Amta the very Rabbi, and then they heard Rabbi's housekeeper say, Rabbi." They were coming in in small groups, two at a time, three at a time, with large breaks between them. And that's how they're coming into the house. What she, what did she say to them? An serugin serugin. Why are you walking into the house, serugin serugin? And they understood now, serugin meant you read a few psukim and then you take a break. You read a few psukim and take a break. And in a couple moments, we will return to the parameters of that. The Mishnah talks about chaluglugot and masrot. They didn't know what it meant. They heard the Rebbe's housekeeper, who was talking to a guy who was spreading some some uh, certain kind of uh, plants around. How long are you going to keep uh, throwing your chalug lugot around? So they understood what they meant. They didn't understand the pasuk in Mishle, salsaleha, and it will raise you up. They heard Rebbe's housekeeper saying to a guy who was uh, combing his hair, very fancy, how long are you going to keep uh, uh, acting vainly or teasing your hair? So they understood that's what it meant. 
They didn't know the Pasuk had put your Yahav on God. So Rahana says one time I was walking back in a particular Arab. And I was carrying a load. And he said to me, Take your Yahav and throw it on my camel, which means you understand that Yahav is a burden. Take my matate and sweep the house. So they understood a matate is a, is a broom. Good. So all of these things that they learned from hanging around with the housekeeper of Rabbi. So now we have a bright expanding on the Mishnah that says if you read the Megillah Seirugin, you're Yotzi. Yotzi Seirusin lo yatsa. All right. But if you read it Seirusin, you're not Yotzi. Now we have to see what that means. Rabbi Muna Omer Rishum Rabbi Yehuda Afbeseirugin. Ramuna says the name of Rabbi Yehuda, but even in Seirugin, which is just stopping and taking a break and then continuing, you're not Yotze if you stop long enough to feed the whole Megillah. Rabbi Yosef says we rule like that. I'm going to buy the Rabbi Yosef. So Rabbi asked him a question. What does it mean, the Kedeling Mord Kula? I stopped in the middle of the ninth chapter. It would take me three minutes to finish the Megillah. So if I break for three minutes, I'll do Rachel or maybe at any point that I stop, it has to be a break long enough to finish the entire Megillah, which would be uh, 20 minutes, let's say. I'm relating to Rachel And Rav Yosef said back to Abaye, it's got to be a set shear. It's always the 20 minutes or however long it is to read the whole Megillah. Because otherwise, you're going to have a floating amount. If you stop in the sixth parak, it'll be ten minutes. If you stop in the third parak, it's eighteen minutes. If you stop in the ninth parak, it's three minutes. So therefore, it's always however long it takes to read the whole thing. He says halacha is like Rabbi Muna. Shmuel Amar in halacha Rabbi Muna. So in uh, in Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael, they said the name of Rav that halacha is Rabbi Muna, and Shmuel said not. The Surah Matnuhachi, and in Surah they taught it that way. The Pumadita, which is Shmuel's, sort of the town of Shmuel's students, Matnuhachi, they had the opposite. And again, the same thing. Now, Rabbi Matnuhachi, he had the opposite. So everybody learned that Shmuel rejected Rabbi Muna, except Rabbi who learned that Shmuel accepted Rabbi Muna. And Rabbi Yosef said Rabbi is the one who's right. Because we know it's Shmuel who is concerned about even one individual's opinion. If you have a Shomer Yavam, we'll get to this in uh, about a month and a half, we'll start talking about Yavamot, a woman who is about, who is a waiting to become a Yavamah, and the brother of the guy that she's waiting to be Mekadeshur is Mekadeshur's sister, which now turns her into somebody who cannot become a Yavamah, we tell the guy to wait. They tell him, don't do anything, don't marry her, until your older brother does something with this Yivama. And everyone else says, we leave it alone. And Shmuel says, we have to be concerned about that opinion. So Yosef says, you see that Shmuel is concerned about one individual's opinion, and therefore perhaps he's also the one who's concerned about Ramuna's opinion that says that if it's Serugin was a large break, then indeed, you have to read it again. Good. By the way, Seirusin, I skipped this over earlier on, Seirusin just means if you read it out of order, like Mama Freya. 
Good. Now, Tan Rabbanani, Shmitba Sofer Otiyoto Psukin. Let's say that the Sofer left out some words or verses out of the Megillah. And the reader just kind of went through it and read it as if they were there, because he knew them by heart. Yatsa, you're Yotze, which is strange, because you're reading Balpet. We have a brighter that says, a statement that says that if you had words that were blurry, as long as you could kind of tell that they were there, then you're Yotze. And if you can't tell there was any impression there, you're not Yotze. So, the answer is, you could have an entire Megillah with faded and torn up words, and as long as you could tell there that they were there, you could read it. But if the word was entirely missing, then only if a minority of the Megillah was like that could you read it. If somebody left out a Pasuk in reading, you don't say, I'll finish to the end and go back and read that Pasuk. Go back to that Pasuk and then continue straight from there, so it's not Lama Freya. This is the case I've mentioned in the Mishnah. If you come into Shul and find that they've read half the Megillah, then you shouldn't say, I'm going to read half of it with the Tzibur. The second half. Then I'll go back and read the first half. You have to read it in order. Good. Now, the Mishnah said, uh, If you read the Megillah, What's that mean? Rashi famously, nim velo nim, tir velo tir. You're half asleep, half awake. Karolei if they call your name, you answer. But you can't repeat a, an intelligent thought or a deep thought. But if they remind you of something that you said earlier on, which was a profound thought, you remember it. You're not totally out of it, you're just kind of dozy. Now, at the end of the Mishnah said, well, near the end of the Mishnah said, Hayakot vado etc. If you were writing it, or darshaning it, or reviewing it, and then you, if you had intent, you yotze. So, hechidami, what's the case? If you're writing as you say it. So, how does it help in Mechave? You're reading Valpeh because you're writing it as you're saying it. It must be that you write a Pasuk, and then you read it. So, since one of you the halacha is, as we're going to see in a couple of days, that you have to read the entire Megillah. That's a machloket, how much you have to read. But even those who say you have to read less than the full Megillah, for instance, Me'ishudi, or from Machar Vermeila, or Me'ilavalelahum, but you have to read from a complete Megillah, even if you don't have to read the whole thing. It must be that you have a Megillah in front of you. You're reading from the full Megillah, and you're writing the new Megillah. In other words, you have a full Megillah, you're reading from it, but you're you're reading it in order to, to write one. Right? This might support Your sofer is never allowed to write even one letter if he's not writing from a pre-existing text. No, that doesn't prove it. Maybe our Mishnah is talking about a case where you happen to be writing it. It doesn't mean that's the only way to write a Megillah, but you happen to be writing it from another text. We have the statement you're not allowed to write even one letter in a in a Tana in a in a Sefer Torah in a, in a Tefillin Mezuzot in a Megillah if you're not copying it from a text. Remeir went down to uh, Bavel, and uh, he went there for purposes of intercalating the year, 
And when he went there, um, this is in the Hadrianic persecutions when they didn't allow the Jews to do this in Israel. He went to out of Israel to do it. And when he went there, Veloya Hashem Megillah, I didn't have Megillah. He read, he wrote entire Megillah Baal Peh, and then he read from it. So it was kosher. Meir is different because his eyelids look straight in front of him, meaning he has the entire Tanakh imprinted on his eyelids, as it were. What does that mean? Well, that's talking about Close your eyes from it and it flies away from you. That's Divrei Torah. So that means that the Torah is opposite him. Nonetheless, as far as what Meir goes, they're Yashar. In other words, they have in front of him, even if it's the kind of thing that you don't pay much attention to, it flies away, or Meir has it. Writing Sifre Torah without a, without a, a, a Tikkun text. He said the Torah, the entire Torah should be written based on you. Because you're, you're, you know the Torah. Since he said to him, the whole Torah could be written by you, Balpeh. So you see that he's somebody who knew the whole Torah, just like Rameir. So, and so why does he say that you still can't do it? And we say Rameir could do it because he knew it. The answer is Romero didn't plan it. He got there and he found it was Purim time. He didn't plan to be away. He had no Megillah, so he wrote a Megillah. In other words, Romero wouldn't do it either, except he was stuck. Abaya allowed this particular household of scribes to write Tefillin and Zuzot without a, a base text. So we have a statement that Tefillin Mezuzot can be written without a base text, and they don't need to be scored. The reality is Mezuzot do need to be scored, but not Tefillin. Why can they be written without a previous text, a base text? Because everybody knows, everybody says them all the time, everybody knows the words of, the, of Mezuzah and Tefillin very, very well. This is, by the way, why they say that Kriya, why the post can say that you can say Kriyachma Balpeh, even though you're not allowed to say Divrei Torah Balpeh. Kriyachma is something that Migras Grisan, everybody says it all the time. We know it by heart, so it's okay. I talked to Babasam. The end of the Mishnah said that if the Megillah was written Basam, of a Kumus, of a Kankantom, it's no good. It has to be written Basafer, Bashuritul, Bidyo. What's Sam? Sam is Sama. It's some sort of a dye, a red dye. Sikra, Ramachana, Sikra Tashma. It's called Sikrata. So some sort of a uh, some sort of a sap. Kumus, um, sorry, that's a red dye. Kumus is coma. That's a red sap. Kankantom, what's kankantom? Charta de ushpechi, the ushkafi. Kankantom is uh, is the black polish used on shoes. Diftorot, diftorot, the meliach ukamiach It means it's not fully worked papyrus. Niar machka. Niar indeed is. Is papyrus. Sorry, uh, diftera is actually a parchment, but it's not fully worked over. Good. And the last line in the Mishnah was has to be written in their writing, and in their writing was ktavashurit. I'll say for me, Joe, and Alan, how do we know it has to be written on a parchment with Joe? 
He was writing on the parchment and with that indelible ink. Everyone should have a wonderful day. Tomorrow we will do the Sugya Ben Ir and Ben Krach. And then in Yotashem on Tuesday, uh, we will finish the Perak.